Many of you are in battles this morning. That's what I pick up in the spirit. You're in a battle. You've been fighting in your finances. You've been fighting in your family. You've been fighting in your vocation, where you belong, where you're supposed to work. You've been fighting in your health. You've been fighting in your marriages. I mean, it's like you've been in a tremendous battle. But I want to point something out to you this morning. Although we are battling supernatural forces, our greatest enemy is not principalities, powers, and darkness, but rather me, myself, and I. Y'all didn't hear that this morning. Sometimes you got to look in the mirror and realize the person staring back at you has become your greatest enemy greater than anything else. And sometimes you got to recognize that person staring back at you will talk you out of more of what God wants to do than the devil if he came to him to yourself. And you got to tell yourself and you got to tell the devil that no matter what kind of pressure comes, I'm going to press through until I get the victory. Somebody shout yes. I said somebody shout yes. Hallelujah. Title of my message this morning is Press. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the release of your anointing in this place already. We thank you for the stirring of the atmosphere, Lord God, of your spirit. We thank you that mighty angels are here, Lord God, present to help, Lord God, pouring out joy, pouring out deliverance, pouring out health and healing, Lord God, not just those that are here, but those that are watching also, Lord God, by, by, by way of our live campus, Lord God. We give you praise and glory. Let there be release now of your presence, Lord God, and your spirit upon the words that I speak, that they may be pleasing to you. And Lord God, they would be able to be held by your people in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen and amen. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, these things I have spoken to you, that in me, Jesus said, everybody say, in me, how about Jesus, you may have peace. In the world, though, you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Yesterday, I had the privilege and honor to be able to uh, usher in, I guess you would say it that way, the home going of Tommy McIntyre. Those that don't know, Tommy McIntyre is a member of our church, has been for the last two years. He and his wife, Tanya, I know Tanya's probably watching, probably with her family that's in town today. And uh, he passed away unexpectedly. And it was, it's a terrible time. But they gave me the honor and privilege of being able to um, go and officiate and to be able to speak. And so I was there. Matter of fact, I want to thank our praise team. They were there as well. They came last minute, put together two great uh, songs and sang them a cappella. Y'all did such a great job. And what was so beautiful about the expression is we're there. And uh, it happened to be Tommy, those that don't know him, happens to be a black man, right? And here I am, and uh, I'm standing up there, and I'm, I'm like uh, one of maybe four or five white people in the whole place. Amen. Now, I don't count myself white, but I... I have to. They tell me I have to. So it is what it is. Um, and so I walked up there, and I, I started with this scripture right here because this is where everybody happens to be. This is where everybody's going through right now, uh, this time of a tribulation because in the world, the Bible says, Jesus actually said, you're going to have lots of it, but I've come to bring peace. I'm going to give you the scripture of those words in just a moment. And I stood up there, and something came on me, y'all. I don't, I don't, I, I, mean, I, I, get, I don't, I blame the, I blame the Holy Ghost on this one because something came on me. I said, let me, let me just get the elephant out of the room. Let's talk about the elephant that's in the room. Uh, I am a white man. And then everybody started snickering and laughing. 
and I start telling them what a privilege and an honor it is that I pastor a people that happens to be a mixed group of people. And I said, I, do, I teach them that we are not a multicultural church. And they were like, wow. I said, no, no, no. We're, I said, the people you saw right up here, we have white people, we have black people, we have Hispanic people. I said, we got about 40% black, 40% Hispanic, 10% we're not sure. They won't tell us. We don't know. Praise God. Other 10% is white people. I'm in, the, I'm in my own minority, minority in my own church. Amen. And so I said, that's a representation of our, of our church. I said, we are not multicultural. We are multi-ethnic. Y'all didn't hear that. Ethnos. All ethnicities flow into the house of the Lord, the Bible says. What happened in the latter-day church. Amen. I said, but we are one culture. It's the culture of the kingdom of God. And if we all can just get around that, all our problems will be solved. Because there might be split division and tribulation out there in the world. But if you got Jesus in your life, it ought to bring peace on your borders, peace in your home, peace in your churches. Because I don't like what I see online. All this division out there. No, sir. We're one culture. And we're one race. How you figure, Pastor? You're getting in deep now. We're called the human race. Because I've gotten in trouble before. I've gotten in trouble before saying, you know, I'm just welcoming you here. God bless you. And, you know, and treat them like they happen to be somebody that's African-American. Only to find out they're Puerto Rican. Or Dominican. You don't know who you are. I said, you've been in America a long time. You don't know who grandpa got with. And if you never want to know, don't take 23 and me. You're going to be shocked. Oh, my God. Amen. And you go, that explains some things. Amen. That explains. He said, me, you'll have peace. In the world, you have tribulation. Peace means wholeness. It means completeness. It means restoration of all things. Anything that's missing or lacking will be restored. So he offers us shalom. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, everything restored. And then he said, but in the world, you'll have tribulation, which means what? Intense pressure. Philipsios, intense pressure. How many have felt the pressure as of late? The pressure to comply. The pressure to choose a side. The pressure to quit. The pressure to bow the knee. But I believe I'm talking to a people today who are resilient, that won't back down, back up, but they know how to get tough. Come on. When the pressure is on. Everybody say, I'm going to press. I'm not going to bow my knee. To be clear, I think that Jesus was saying in John 16, stay out of the world system and you won't have tribulation. Stay out of the world system. Stay out of the world, and you won't have that intense pressure on you. And that's our problem, church. People don't want to hear this part, but I'm going to say it loud and clear. That's our problem. We want to dip our Christianity into worldly ways like we dip a Frito in some bean dip. We're 
not to treat the ways of God like the ways of the world. You're going to have to make up your mind. You either a saint or you ain't. You're either in or you're out. You're in the kingdom of darkness or you're the kingdom of light. Which way are you going to go today? Make up your mind. Everybody say, I'm going to make up my mind. Matthew eleven twelve says this. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Now that word violence here is kin to the word tribulation, which again means intense tribulation. So what's it saying to us? It's saying that the days have come, that the kingdom of heaven suffers intense pressure. There's pressure on those in the kingdom to do wrong, to kowtow to bend or to bow to the world and to the world's way and to the world's system. He said, but the violent take it by force. Take it means piezo. It means to snatch away quickly. Before you know it, it's out of your hand it's in my hand. Take it by force. The violent, in other words, those who are, watch this, those who put some intensity, who put a little pressure on the pressure. Y'all don't hear that. That's what I'm trying to drive home today, that when the pressure comes, that's time for you to back it up with some pressure yourself. This is powerful. There's an airplane that flies, well, I all know do now, and uh, 30,000, 35, 40,000 feet. Did you know that you could not survive that type of height? going up into the atmosphere, uh, if there was not oxygen, and if that plane was not pressurized. Sometimes you'll hear it when it's sitting there ready to take off, and it thinks you'll hear the noises, and all of a sudden your ears will begin to pop, even while you're sitting there. What's happening? They are pressurizing the cabin. For what? For your survival. It's so that the plane can fly at an optimum level and that you will survive at an optimum level. I'm just here to tell at least two or three people today that sometimes the pressure isn't a bad thing. It's to prove how great you are and to show the optimum level of which you are to operate in the earth. <laughs> I want to preach. I'm trying to save something back here. It's highly probable that the pressure you've been under is not meant for your destruction, but rather it's to reveal what's inside of you. Let me make this statement. Whatever's concealed will be revealed. Let me say it one more time to this side. Whatever's concealed will be revealed. If cuss is in you, then under pressure, cuss is going to come up out of you. If anger is in you, then under pressure, anger is going to come out of you. If rebellion is in you, once you get under that pressure, you ain't going to listen to anybody has to say because rebellion will come up out of you. If disloyalty is in you, under pressure, you're going to cut and you're going to run. It's like how many brush your teeth? Praise God. You did this morning. Thank you, Jesus. We appreciate that very much. 
and hopefully use some toothpaste. It's pretty cheap, you know. You can just buy it and use it. It's pretty easy. And the, and the toothpaste, there's a toothpaste bottle comes in, right? And what you got to do to get the toothpaste out is you got to squeeze it. So you got to apply pressure to get what's inside outside. And once the toothpaste has been squeezed and the pressure to come out, you can't put it back in. That's why you got to watch yourself when you get under pressure because there's things you will say and things you will do that you can't quite get back in. But whatever you allow through your eye gate and your ear gate is what you're going to fill that tube back up with, your spirit back up with. And when pressure comes, it's going to come out. So if you fill yourself up with CNN all day long under pressure, you're going to spew all the stuff CNN's got to say. How about Fox News? How about MSNBC? How about all them newspapers out there? You constantly feel your, and social media stuff you got yourself into as well. Whatever you put inside of you under pressure is going to come up out of you. But the church is different. Because we're supposed to be born again. Not the same people we used to be. We are born again. Which means greater is he that is in me. Y'all didn't catch that. Than he that is in the world. So the more I put more of Jesus in, under pressure, Jesus comes out. Forgiveness will come out. Mercy will come out. A word of deliverance will come out. A word of encouragement will come out. Blessing and not cursing will come out. Whatever's in there, under pressure, is going to come out. So I got this testimony a couple days ago, and uh, I wanted to share it with you. And um, I don't know if Damatis is here today. Is she here this morning? She's not here. You might know her. Amadis or is it Amaris? Amaris. Amaris. Okay. I was way off. Hallelujah. But I remember her. And she's part of your family. And, um, and so uh, she wrote this little testimony that I thought was pretty neat. And I thought it worked for today. Hello, Pastor. Back in 2011, the Lord called me to a missions trip for 11 months to 11 different countries. This required me to quit my amazing job, leave my boyfriend whom I thought I was going to marry, leave my friends, family, and the comforts of home. From that moment, I signed up for the trip. God spoke to me that my boyfriend and I were going to break up, and that truly broke my heart immensely. I signed up for the trip in January, interviewed in February, and got accepted to do the missions trip uh, for September 2011. From that time, I got accepted. I went back and forth as, a, as to whether I was going to do the trip or not. On Thursday night, you were addressing a major situation in the church, uh, and then you, you end up feeling led by the Spirit to do praise and worship instead. But By the way, those that don't know, we went through a major upheaval in our church, and uh, it's not time to go into that right now, but uh, thank God we're through all that stuff. But the thing is, is it was, a, it was the most difficult challenge our church had ever went through. That was the night I was addressing it. She came that night. So we're both in this place. And um, the Spirit said, she said, the Spirit told you to begin to praise and worship, and you have people come up for prayer. I never was someone to go to the front to receive prayer because I didn't want people to think there was something wrong with me. I know that that is not from the Lord, but it's how I felt at the time. And even though I was shy, I decided to go up because I felt a push from the Holy Spirit. You were praying over everybody. Then you stopped over me and you said, I'm hearing a word from the Lord for you. 
He said he's proud, he's so proud of the decision you have made. Know that you, uh, rather know that there will be a lot of confusion surrounding your decision, but the Lord will bring clarity. God is saying, focus on me, focus on me, focus on me. And then you went to the next person. I never had received a prophecy over me, but I knew exactly what decision God was proud of me for making. A couple weeks later, my boyfriend broke up with me out of the blue. I went in, in peace on my missions trip, and the Lord changed my life forever. I want to thank you for being a faithful servant, for speaking the very things that the Father places on your heart because it changed my life and brought reassurance and peace during one of the most unclear times in my life. Unclear times in my life. I, I pray God's blessing over you and the family and so on. She writes some very nice things. The reason why I brought that up is because here's what I want you to see. We've got to learn that when we're in a pressurized situation, we've got to put pressure back on it. We can't allow what's happening to us to override us and push us down and shrink us back. Here she's in a pressurized situation thinking she's going to lose everything to follow God. And ultimately she did have to lose what she thought was everything to follow God. But God has truly, in an amazing way, blessed her life. My job that night during my most pressurized situation of my life was to give her a word to push back, to press through all the stuff I'm feeling, all the uncertainty, all the confusion, all the stuff that I'm, and I still have to give God's word to somebody else. You see, that's how we react. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm not trying to pray. I barely remember getting through that night. But somehow, when you make a decision to put pressure back on the pressure, God gives you the breakthrough. All right, let's look real quick at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9. Then he said, behold, I've come to do your will, O God. Here it is. He takes away the first. Isn't it interesting that things come to you that are negative when you make a decision to do the will of God? But here's what God does. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. The real pressure isn't the actual circumstance. It's in your incapability to perceive a good ending to the problem. So what you're going through is what you're going through, but the pressure is you don't see how this is going to be good in the end. And that's when we start making wrong decisions, bad decisions, and it moves us backwards rather than it does move us forward. What you've got to understand is that there is a parallel, don't run out of me when I say this, but there's a parallel reality to the one you are currently in. I'm not talking about, what's that science there? Uh, uh, I'm not talking about, uh, what's that called? It starts with a Q. Um, quantum physics. Who said that? You're smart. Hallelujah. Quantum physics. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there is a realm of the spirit that rides right alongside of the realm of the natural. It's a parallel life. It's a parallel universe. It's there for the taking, always. It's there. Elisha, and when he was surrounded, and they were going to take him by force, and the armies had come, and, and, uh, and he wakes up in the morning, and he's fine, but... His servant's freaking out. He's flipping out and said, don't you see? How can we not be freaked out? He says, don't worry about it. Lord, open his eyes. 
that he may see what I see. And God opened Gehazi's eyes, the Bible says, and he was able to see what? All these flaming chariots of angels that were surrounding them, looking at the army to keep them at bay. Nobody could see them, but Elisha at first, and then the one that he prayed for that their eyes be opened. Father, open the eyes of your church. Open the eyes of your people, Lord God, that they will see there's, that they will see there's more for us than who is against us in the name of Jesus Christ. That they may see, Lord God, your will and your way right now in the earth, I pray in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. There is a parallel life. There's something else going on here. The woman, I just preached this a couple weeks ago. Maybe it was last weekend. And I, I preached and said the woman was, uh, she was a, she, her children were going to debtor's prison. And she was having a very hard time. They had, she said, I got nothing in the house. She said, you got to have something. Oh, I got a little jar of oil. But what's that in comparison to so much debt that I have? How's that? She could see. She could not perceive a good ending to her problem. So it began to eat her lunch. But then she begins to obey the word of Elijah. Go by our vessels, not a few, and begin to pour the little that you have in by faith. And God will do the rest. And we know that she had so much oil left over, she was able to sell everything and pay the debt off and live on the rest. There was a parallel world to what she was going through. Jesus even said he could have done the wrong thing, but he chose to do the right thing. And he, he said, I could call for a legion of angels right now. And I would be able to come off this cross. You see, that's because he understands the realm of the spirit. In other words, we said God takes away the first that he may establish the second. The Bible says first the natural, then the spiritual. So whatever you're going through right now in the natural should become a clear indication of where God wants to take you in the spiritual. Church, you got to press through or you'll never reach a second opinion about your situation. And here's the clincher. Your perception is your reality. It don't matter how much truth I try to say up here, but it, it goes through the lens of your perception, which is what? Through your experiences. That's why sometimes we have a hard time talking to one another about certain things because you see it one way and I see it a completely different way. Because we see through the lens of our perception or our experiences. So truth becomes, I hate to say it this way, but truth becomes relative until you, by faith, apply it in your life. Truth is just another concept that sometimes that truth does not fit the narrative of your heart or your mind or your past experiences. So we need God to open our understanding. One of the things I pray on a daily basis for this church is that God would enlighten our eyes that we may see and that we may know what is the hope of his calling and the plan of God and the will of God on planet earth. Amen. Genesis 1.11 then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself. That's the principle. On the earth, and it was so. Church, everything you'll ever need has already been provided. It's just in a seed form. Look, everything created 
carries with it an instruction and an assignment. You could get the most powerful magnifying lens that there is on planet Earth and magnify it on an apple seed and trying to understand its contents and its mystery and how it does what it does. You'll never find it. But we cannot deny that there is an eternal DNA purpose that's encoded inside of the apple seed to bring forth an apple tree that will bear many apples. So sometimes we're looking for the apples on the apple tree to be convinced that this is what God has for us, but we don't recognize the seed that we've been given. And we don't want the patience to have to wait. Come on, y'all don't want to hear this. For the seed to bring forth, because why? Our perception becomes our reality. We just want the apple. Because the apple is what I need right now. But God says everything you need, the seed is in itself. Whatever you need, all you got to do is plant the seed. But here's the deal, and I close with this. The seed has to die to what it is. Say that one more time. The seed has to die to what it is. Where? Buried in the earth. Under the pressure of the earth. It dies to what it is to become what it shall be. And you could put that with almost everything in your life. You can. But I want you to think about it with your circumstance right now. Some of y'all want a man. Praise the Lord. Some of y'all want a woman to live with. Praise God. Marry. Have children with and have a good life with. Amen. You might have to die to the desire of getting married so that the pressure that you get under <laughs> provides for you the perfect mate that God always wanted you to have. Don't tell me that seed don't get under pressure. Because when it gets under pressure, y'all, that's when I start seeing the pastor of 30 years, that's when I start seeing my people who love God Make stupid decisions. But he looked it good. Where'd you find him? At the club? That's the problem right there. Amen. Don't plant the seed. Be careful with this analogy. Hallelujah. Y'all adults, amen. In a place... That it doesn't belong. I felt that go over like a lead balloon for some of y'all. Amen. God can bring you right where he wants you to be. You don't have to mess up your life to get there either. Amen.